0: That's right, General Quarters, and this is Battleground. And our next guest is actually, he's probably heard that um, that call from General Quarters at least a few times maybe in his career, uh, former CIA analyst, DIA, DHS, uh, Army officer, Ron Alito. Ron, welcome to Battleground. Thanks for being on the show again. Hello, Ivan. Thank you for the invitation. Glad to be here. Absolutely, and you know we have so much to talk about. Uh, you know uh, the, the the left has gone insane. They have one hundred percent fully embraced socialism, Marxism. they're not even shy about hiding it anymore, uh, like we were talking about off camera, you know they they've lost the argument, and now they are resorting to violence, and we've seen that play out throughout history, in Europe, in you know the former. Soviet Union, and China, in Latin America, you name it. Um, we, know how, we know how this movie ends. We know how the movie starts out. You know, we're in the middle of it right now. I, I, I just can't believe this is happening here in the United States. But, you know, you have some predictions. You wrote something very interesting yesterday, or I think uh, a couple days ago. Uh, talk to us about it. Well, uh,
1: basically, what I did, I, I took in consideration some of the factors um, that were used, against, I mean, some of the narrative and strategies that were used against Trump back in 2016. And I tried to uh, see how effective those uh, would be today, in 2020. And also, I took some of the current situations, some of the the most important situations right now, like we have with the COVID-19. Uh, with the riots and the violence in the street, and I um, I used the intelligence me- methodology to um, put them together, and, and I came with a hypothesis, and my hypothesis uh, is that um, <coughs> my conclusion is that Trump will win. I uh, I did it with a high confidence uh, estimate. I mean, in the intelligence analysis, we use high, uh, medium, and low confidence to see uh, how sure we are something, and I, after analyzing um, all the elements, I came with the conclusion, the hypothesis that Trump will win, and I gave it a high confidence into it.
0: Well, that's very reassuring. I think, you know, we all want to hear that. I I also believe the president's going to win. I mean, the argument is, is, uh, is, is very, very easy. You know, we have a president with accomplishments. He delivered probably the best, you know, Economy in the history of the country, lowest unemployment numbers for for blacks, Hispanics, women, Asians, etc. Labor force participation rate. You know, did trade deals, peace in the Middle East. I mean, you name it; the list goes on. It's tremendous accomplishments. The left, the only thing they have to say is "Orange Man bad, Orange Man bad." That that's it. That's it.
1: They don't have anything that, else. that basically. Um, and listen, the, some of the reasons that that I took into some of the points I took into my uh, my analysis, for example. The end of the world, the, the apocalyptic uh, candidate, they used that very strong against Trump back in 2016. I mean, yep. uh, the New York Times and uh, the the Democratic Party narrative is, if Trump wins, this is the end of America. We're going to be a disaster. We're going to become a banana republic. We're going to become a third world country. Uh, uh, we are all going to lose our jobs. Uh, it's going to be uh, insane. And, and that, the, the problem with that argument, with that strategy, is that it only can be used once. Yeah. <laughs> the Manchurian candidate, apocalyptic candidate, only can be used once. Because once the candidate wins, uh, he demonstrates that the, the world doesn't end and the world continues and furthermore, there is prosperity and there is a uh, very low unemployment and there is uh, investments and, and there are jobs and then that argument uh, is lost forever. Okay, and um, I mean both both sides. I mean, uh, using it against Obama in twenty eight, and sorry, in two thousand eight, or using it against Trump in, in twenty sixteen, you only can use it once. And the Democrats have their shot; they use it once, they cannot use it again anymore. And uh, and, and again, this goes with the economy, the very strong economy that we had just before the China virus uh, hit us back in. Um, all the way up to February of uh, this year, of 2020, we have an excellent economy, a very strong economy, 3.5% unemployment. Uh, the down Dow Jones, uh, Jones was very, very high. The investment was very high. The 401 ks were very high. So people want to go back to that economy of 2020. And Trump demonstrated that his policies are good for the economy. That we're not talking about theories or hypotheses, we're talking about facts. Oh. And people want to go back to February of 2020, and Trump is promising that if he wins, he will take us back <clears throat> away from the China virus uh, disaster and take us back to that economy we have all the way back in 2020, February 2020.
0: And you mentioned uh, the Reagan Democrats, and I found I, I found you know that, that that I that I have to agree with you 100% on that. I think the uh, Democratic Party today has lost those uh, blue dogs, those uh, conservative or, or moderate Democrats, um, you know, the, the, the Reagan Democrat coalition, right? Uh, they're they're that, 100% with Trump, right? That,
1: that, that is what is hurting the most, the Democratic Party. I mean, they gave uh, for granted, uh, I mean, they, they took for granted uh, the Reagan Democrats will be with them. Remember, the Reagan Democrats are these blue collar workers, from the Midwest, mostly from the key state, the swing states, the Ross Belt, yep. uh, Ohio, Wisconsin, etc And these people, um, basically, they always have been with the Democratic Party for economic reason, because they belong to union, because they belong to the workforce, etc. But they abandoned the Democratic Party to go with Reagan mm. back in the 80s. Yeah, because Reagan really inspired them. He was the cowboy, the tough guy that will go against communism, against like the Soviet Union, et cetera. They were inspired by them. But once Reagan retired, they went back to their natural house, natural home of the Democratic Party. And Hillary took them for granted. Okay, they have been here for 30 years. They are not going to leave. But that was a, a flaw because uh, they went with Trump. The yeah. uh, reagan democrats uh, i mean uh, in amazing numbers they switch party again just like they did with reagan they did it with trump because they were inspired again by trump uh, remember these reagan democrats most of them generally speaking while they are blue collar workers they are also natural conservative yeah. in the in the sense that they are uh, believers they pray they go to church they are a second amendment uh, Uh, Fans. They like hunting. They like MMA and boxing and NASCAR. They, culturally speaking, they have nothing to do, nothing to do with the elites of New York, of Manhattan, the left wing uh, elites, uh, Nancy Pelosi style of San Francisco. They have nothing to do, uh, culturally speaking. So, they are not, uh, they naturally speaking, they are conservative. And what they needed to switch parties back in 2016 was the figure that inspired them. I mean, and I'm sorry to say that, but that was not Jeb Bush and uh, <laughs> no. it was not Marco Rubio. No. They need somebody who talk like them, who speaks like them, who thinks like them, and that was Trump. And today.
0: Yeah, uh, and it also these guys, uh, also this group is, uh, you know, was impacted and very, very hurt. Uh, with the free trade agreements, right? And Trump had offered to redo these trade agreements and he's delivered, right, Ronnie? So wouldn't no, that make no. that group even stronger for Trump now? Exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. In 2016, they were inspired by Trump's uh, rhetoric and Trump's uh, personality and, and Trump's, uh, uh, in, I mean, inspiration. That, oh, we like this guy. He thinks like us, he talks like us, he, he connects with us. Now, they have an additional reason to be loyal to Trump, and it's that Trump delivering his promises of fighting globalist uh, free trade agreements that, yes, benefit the big corporations' profits and margins, but do not benefit the workers. And Trump switched those globalist uh, uh, free trade agreements for better a uh, free trade agreement that do take in consideration the well-being of the workers. And he had been pushing very hard. Uh, he remade uh, NAFTA. He had been dealing with China. He had been dealing with the European Union. He had been dealing with uh, at the global market. We want a free trade agreement. We are not anti-trade. But we want better trade agreement that to, takes in consideration the well-being of the workers. And we want to bring back home, bring back to the United States those factories, uh, actually thousands of factories, millions of jobs that uh, have been moving for the last 20 years out of the United States to the cheap labor uh, markets in Mexico, in China, Vietnam, et cetera. We want those jobs back here in America because, uh, Profits of the company is one thing, OK? Revenues and profits are one thing. But also, they need to take in consideration the unemployment rate. They, they, they need to take in consideration the well-being of the worker. So the Reagan Democrats are strongly um, behind Trump. They are firmly behind Trump. And I think this is going to be key for Trump's victory.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, he, you know, he renegotiated South Korea, Japan, you know, China, he brought them to their knees, The Europeans, uh, USMCA, I mean, on trade, he delivered exactly what he said he was going to do. And nobody thought was possible. You know, I agree with you. I think the Reagan Democrats, there are, there is no way they're going to abandon Trump. Not today, not in this election. Mm-hmm. I think they are 100% in bed with the president, man. Um, you know, you talked about the, uh, the, China, the China virus, the Wuhan virus. Um, is, that, is, that a, is that a negative for the president? Because the Democrats seem to think that's a negative, right? And the media well, the, too, right? The media media is betting the farm. They're betting everything they have that this virus is, is, is a negative piece for the president. What do you think?
1: Well, well the media is going to attack Trump for everything. I mean, for the next hurricane. Yeah. Or, or or for the air, air, earthquake in uh, in California, uh, or the next uh, forest fire in yeah. uh, in California, they said that it's gonna <laughs> they're gonna say that <laughs> it's Trump's fault, okay? Yeah. But listen, and they are attacking Trump, and, and they are attacking Trump in a very simplistic way. Yeah. The the virus has uh, damaged in a very serious way the economy and have, uh, the unemployment raised a lot. Yes, of course. Um, all the the economic um, Success that we have until February have been placed on hold and uh, in reverse by the virus. And yes, uh, sadly, tragically, this is a very sad. Nobody denies that it's very sad. Uh, over 170,000 people is die, uh, have died from coronavirus. I mean, one tra- one death is is, is is enough tragic and it's enough sad. So the the media and the Democratic Party are attacking Trump with these simplistic points, but Trump is. Uh, putting together a very strong defense, and I think a very effective defense against the coronavirus thing. First of all, it's not Trump's virus. It's China virus. Yeah. China, uh, in the first place, uh, they, they were not uh, open. They, they um, actually, they, they were very sneaky. They did not say at the beginning that there was uh, human-to-human transmission, number one. Number two, China uh, did not allow people from Wuhan to travel to Beijing. But they do allow people to travel to the United States and to Italy and to Spain and to the whole world. So that you can see a lot of uh, bad faith from China over there. And Trump is pointing to that. And about the 170 plus thousand dead, yes, those are sad, those are tragic, uh, condolences to, our, to the families of the people who died. But the Trump administration is saying, listen, all experts all all medical experts all virus experts the cdc the health department we all uh, agree that over 2 million people 2.1 million people or more will die from the virus that was those were the estimates back in february march of uh, this year over 2 That's million right. people That's are, right. And Trump is saying, listen, because of what I did, because of my administration, because of our effort construct uh, building more than 100,000 ventilators, delivering a, a medication all around, because of the industrial DOD uh, logistics and the industrial order for the, for the factories to, to construct medical equipment. We lowered that estimate, that, that all agree, all scientists agree, 10 times. So God willing, there is going to be less than uh, 200,000 dead. And as tragic as that sound, it's not going to be the 2 million people plus million people that uh, originally were scheduled to die. So Trump is saying, "I did not kill 170 people. I saved 1.5, 1.9 million people," and that is how he's depicted. And I think that's a very strong defense.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, and. And you talked about some other stuff, right? It, well, you know what? Let, let me pause you real quick here on the Wuhan thing, you know. And I don't want to be conspiracy theorist, but um, reality is is something that you, that you mentioned. Isn't it curious that China didn't allow anybody to travel from Wuhan anywhere in China, but let them go everywhere else in the world, especially those direct flights to Italy, right? Um, that that there was not any good intention behind that the other piece is obviously this thing didn't come from a bat in a wet market it came out of a lab you know the government's already said that um the intel community has already acknowledged that um what they haven't said obviously is if it was done on purpose or not i'm assuming they'll never say that because that would be an act of war but um how do you th- how do you think this president has has reacted to that entire situation? Because that's a very very delicate situation outside of the virus, but just that situation is very delicate because that that could lead two countries to war, couldn't it? Well, if um, if at
1: the end there are strong conclusions that yes, it was done on purpose, but I, I, I and yes, the the answer will be yes. That's an act of war, as, as you said. Uh, I really don't think that China will be so, <laughs> so suicidal to do that, or to, because I remember this was not only the United States, it was also Russia, and this was also Germany and the United Kingdom and France and, uh, and Canada, and, and I mean, and all major NATO countries, and uh, plus Russia. So I don't think that China, I mean, uh, very strong, low probability that China will do that, something as uh, suicidal as uh, doing on purpose. What I do think that happened is that Trump, I mean, and I'm just speculating here because obviously I don't have any access sure. to any. And
0: we're not asking you to, uh, to reveal any classified info. Yes, uh,
1: but I'm just speculation here on, on open sources. My speculation is that Trump is being uh, made aware by the intelligence community that China was uh, acting out of bad faith from the very beginning, not only by not reporting that there was human to human transmission, but also because allowed the travel unrestricted outside of China, people from Wuhan. They were able to, I mean, you. if you were a person from Wuhan, you were able to go on holiday. You were able to uh, go to Italy, to Spain, to the United States, to California, to Washington State, to spread the virus. Uh, and, but you were not able to go to Beijing. And uh, my speculation here, uh, based on open sources, is that uh, the the most time that it goes on, the intelligence community is finding more and more and more about China's bad faith and they're letting Trump know that. So that was how we can see Trump shifting from a sympathetic uh, attitude at the beginning to later on to a more, uh, more aggressive Attitude. Uh, He's now unrestrictedly not saying COVID 19 or coronavirus. He's saying the China virus, the Wuhan virus. So I I think this reflects, um, again, this is just my speculation. I don't have any evidence on this, but uh, I believe that Trump is getting, uh, is is being briefed by the intelligence community, and those briefs are about uh, how bad China uh, acted of uh, bad faith.
0: Yep, absolutely. You talk about Black Lives Matter in your uh, in, in in your intelligence assessment or your, your prediction.
1: Uh, well, it's something that I already mentioned to you before. Uh, uh, listen, there, there is no problem at all with the slogan or with the phrase "Black Lives Matter." Of course, Black life matters, like any other human life matters, like a Chinese life matter or Japanese life matter or Hispanics. Or Latino life matter or white life matter. Of course, there is no issue with that phrase. The issue is with the Marxist organization call that name. The, I mean, the call Black Life Matter. That is the issue. It's not with the phrase, it's not with the sentence. There's no problem at all with the sentence or the phrase. The problem is the organization. And the leaders of this organization, they are self-proclaimed Marxists. They are the extreme left. Uh, and the, this protests that we have seen all around the United States have turned into violence, into looting, into rioting, fueled by the extreme left of the United States. I'm talking about the anarchists. I'm talking about the Antifa. I'm talking about um, overexcited Bernie supporters, Bernie Sanders supporters, uh, university students, in their 20s, full of testosterone, full of uh, excitement, full of uh, angry people. And that's what we have seen in the last months and the problem with, with those riots and that violence uh, is that the, demo, the problem for the Democrats is that they supported them from the very beginning because they wanted to mobilize their bases. They want to mobilize to keep their left flank secure and happy. Remember, uh, they need the votes of the Bernie Sanders supporters. They need the, the, the votes of the extreme left, uh, of the squad, of uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, uh, that left wing and they supported those protests and riots uh, to keep their left flank happy and then they went to go to hunt for the right to look for the moderate with uh putting a moderate uh, so-called moderate face with uh with biden but the problem is because of the early support to the black life matters and the rioting and the protests now that have turned against the the democracy in boomerang because the the average American from Main Street, John Doe from the Main Street, the average American is sick and tired of those riots and is sick and tired of that violence. And they're scared, gun sales are to the roof in the United States. People are scared that uh, those riots are coming to their cities or to their towns or to their small businesses. And the Democrats, because of their silent, uh, silence at the beginning and because of their support at the beginning, now they're paying the consequences. Uh, Trump is using that to, to uh, portray himself as the law and order candidate, the strong pro-police candidate, pro-law uh, enforcement candidate, and, and the Democrats are suffering right now because they see themselves as weak, pro-mob, pro-riot, pro-violence. So that is hurting the Democrats really, really bad.
0: Hey, let me ask you a question. I mean, you, you played in the, uh, obviously, uh, former army officer. You've been in the intelligence community as deep as you can get. Right, um, an analyst in that in that field as well. How does Marxism and groups like Antifa, anarchists, or fascist groups, you know, play together? Because ideologically, they're not really aligned, right?
1: Well, they are aligned. I mean, this is what. But what, what happened? The, the, the Antifa. Is, are basically anarchists or are, are socialists okay they are in the extreme left okay and uh, basically honestly most of the antifa are young people okay are young people in their 20s late teens 20s perhaps early 30s okay they have been they are the product of this uh indoctrination brainwashing <clears throat> that come from hollywood in the last years that come from a the universities, I mean the universities are uh, indoctrination camps. They have embraced everything from a gluten-free diet to uh, to radical uh, uh, em- environmentalist, green ideology to uh, radical animalistic ideology um, against meat, against uh, farming, against um, all those things. They obviously are pro-transgender, uh, pros, uh, social justice warriors, etc. They have embraced Marxism in their school, cultural Marxism in their universities, and these uh, these are the typical twenty something years old with the blue hair, with the twenty piercing, with the Che Guevara t shirt, yeah. voting for Bernie Sanders. So the, that is the typical antifa, okay? An, an, an overexcited twenty years old with the. Che yeah, Guevara but, at the
0: t- end, but at the end, they're just about anarchy, right? Um. They
1: they are left wing guys they are uh, they there is a, a fine point where anarchists and uh, marxists touch yeah. together yeah. okay and you you there might be some uh, more moderate uh, social justice warriors in the center left of the party but they talk together they said they talk the same language to the marxists of black life matters Uh, self-described Marxists, And they talk to the same language of the anarchists that want to destroy the state and destroy all authority and and defund the police. And they want to destroy the culture. Remember, they're all together in destroying the culture. That's what cultural Marxism is about. They want to destroy the fundamentals of the Western civilization, of the Christian civilization. And listen, uh, the Democratic Party might have have a a good time when the Black Lives Matters and the anarchists and Antifa, they were against General Lee statues and Stonewall Jackson statues that hurt the people of the South a lot. That's an offense to the people of the South. But they were having a good time. But once they expand their cancel culture and they went beyond General Lee and Stonewall Jackson, and they went to Washington himself, to Juan Ponce de Leon, to Christopher Columbus, to Jefferson, they say, hey, hey, what's going on here? It's not about just. Canceling the the Confederation of the South and General Lee, they want to to cancel the whole United States of America. They want to cancel who we are, our culture, our history, our heroes. I mean, they even went for for uh, Abraham Lincoln statues. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, so th- that tells you that they th- they even went for um there were even some uh, some democratic. Uh, Left-wing people that went uh, against religious statues, against uh, oh, the the Jesus and Virgin Mary uh, paintings, and the churches are too white. We we need to take them down. They, they well, went, they're uh, they
0: absolutely insane, Ronnie. And I don't know if you saw this, but yesterday we had a uh, we had a guest uh, who who comes on every every Wednesday. He's a political one of the top political operatives in the country, Jim Dornan. and uh, he was telling us that the mayor of D.C., the mayor of D.C., who is who is who's a lunatic, right? Who, uh, who, who has let all these riots happen and let all these people be attacked and assaulted after the RNC at the White House, didn't provide any police protection for him, um, actually proposed that she wants to remove the Lincoln and Jefferson memorials. Um, that's how insane she is, right? First of all, those are federal Uh, Monuments, so she has no basis or authority or jurisdiction on them, and she would go to jail for ten years, as 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 you know, as is the law right now. But that's the level of insanity of these people. They want to cancel everything, and you were talking about Columbus and and you know all the different statues, you know uh, about those uh, priests in California, et cetera, et cetera. They want to wipe out all of our heritage, everything. You know, and, and some people don't even understand. The Spaniards were here before the British. You know, by hundred. Of... I mean, they, I mean, the, the, the thing is
1: this. They want, they begin with, uh, usually with some kind of moderate point, so-called moderate. I don't consider moderate at all. Yeah. Uh, but they begin with, they present the initial point as moderate. And a lot of the main street people, the the normal streets, fell for it. People that is not very well uh, aware or very well educated about those issues. For example, oh, let's gonna take out the uh, the statues of uh, General Lee because he was the commander in chief of the Southern Army. And, and most people say, well, my big 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 grandfather was in the South, but it's okay. You gonna take. It. But then they they don't they're not going to content themselves with that. They're going to go with destroying the whole Western civilization with what we are as a Western uh, Christian country. They are going after Washington and And they said, uh, "Let's gonna uh, let, let's gonna go after uh, after Juan Ponce de Leon because uh, the Spanish uh, the, the the Spanish uh, were bad guys." And some people and I, I mean and some people, especially Anglo-Saxon people, okay, let, let, let's. We are mostly Anglo-Saxon unless uh, you you want to reduce the statue of Juan de Leon or or whatever. But they are not going to stop with Homponce de Leon. They're going to go after Columbus, uh, who who is the discoverer of the whole continent, who is uh, uh, venerated by the Italians, Americans, by Catholics, by the Knights of Columbus. And they're not going to stop. Uh, They're not going to be content with their initial Proposition. They are going to keep more and more and more and more. And remember, the end goal is to destroy the whole civilization, the whole Western Christian civilization. And and General Lee statue is not going to is not is not going to contend them. They are going to, not going to stop until they destroy Lincoln, until they destroy Washington and Jefferson, and they are going after Columbus, and they are going to destroy every symbol. Of Chris, Christian European heritage, Spanish heritage in, Mex, in uh, New Mexico, in uh, Colorado, I mean in uh, California, in Florida, they are not going to stop until they destroy all Spanish heritage, until they destroy even uh, British heritage. I mean uh, they are going to after the the British heritage as well. Uh, Washington was a slave owner. Let's go and remove Washington. <laughs> so, so they are not going to stop until they uh, upside down they uh, the complete culture of the country.
0: Yeah, man, you know, and, and I guess that goes to your next point about the Democratic Party moving too far to the left. Um, you know, we saw eight years of, of this wild abandoned, you know, socialist as a president who wanted to fundamentally transform America into a socialist European country. Um, he spent more time worried about bathrooms than worried about the American people and jobs and the economy. And, you know, you figured, you know, the country or the Democrats would have moderated themselves a little bit after eight years of this reckless president, you know, where he was pushing everything um, from a Marxist point of view, and and like you just like you just you know perfectly laid out this this attack on Christianity, these attack on traditional values. That's that's what eight years was with Obama, and and it seems like they have gone way, way, way farther now. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's almost like it's a, lose, a win or lose battle for them now. Like it's a war, right?
1: They are not going to stop. They are not going to stop. People think, OK, let's going to give them this, and that will contend them, and that's it. End of story. No, 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 no. That will contend them for one or two years. But just because of their ideology. Remember, their ideology have ultimate goals. OK, classic Marxism and classic uh, cultural Marxism, they have ultimate goals of the complete and total transformation of the society, of the political system, of the economic system, and the cultural system. So the the thing is, what people need to understand is this. They will not stop. They will not stop. you can give them something. You can give them a big concession. And that will keep them quiet for one or two years. And after two years, they will ask more and more and more and more. And it never ends. It never will end. Uh, remember, a few years, as, as bad, as as terrible, as liberal, as godless, as secularist as uh, Obama uh, government was, there was no problem with Obama talking good about Washington. There was no problem with uh, Obama or even Sanders visiting um, uh, uh, no, uh, Rushmore, Rushmore, right. Rushmore. Yeah. there was no problem with them, but now Mount Rushmore is bad. Oh, they were slave owners. Now Washington is bad, he was a slave owner. Now Jefferson is bad. Now Columbus is bad. I, I never remember Obama going against Columbus and, and asking for people to remove Columbus because he was a white uh, Christian, he, he, he came from, from Europe. Uh, he he was sent here by Spain. Let's go after it. It was not like that. But remember, these people will never stop. They change their center of gravity, their standard deviation of ideology to the left. Keep moving constantly, again and again and again, never ending.
0: Okay, How do you, you stop it, Ronnie? How do you stop it? I know you know you you you've been in the Intel community for a while, in the military, you know, analysts. So you obviously have been seeing, analyzing all this stuff internally when it when when you looked at other countries cold war etc um how do we stop this here in america man well it's uh it's very difficult uh, but the only way to stop
1: it is uh, using their own methods is their methods that they use remember they don't come with policies that are crazy just out of nowhere and their policies are crazy and what they're asking is crazy and it will never stop being crazy but they those policies don't come out of uh nowhere from I mean from the, from the morning, it don't magically appear there. Those had been planted on the minds of millions and dozens of millions of people year after year, decade after year, decade after decade, okay? We're talking about what beginning the 60s here with the cultural revolution, okay? Uh, especially the, the cultural revolution that began with Eros and civilization from Marcuse one of the fathers of the Frankfurt School, he he planted those ideas. And this I'm talking about now with uh, what we in the US Army um, psychological affairs we use. We plant an idea in the population and we let that idea grow until it becomes self-alive, self-sufficient. And that's what happened in America. In the 60s, Marcus and civilization was the Bible of the of the hippies, of the hippie movement, that was anti culture movement, anti-civilization movement. And it was planted on the people and it grew by themselves. And it had evolved taking more people with the help of Hollywood, with the help of uh, policymakers, with the help of Obama. Obama was decisive in pushing uh, to the end what Clinton began uh, in, in the 90s uh, with this cultural revolution. So remember, these policies come first uh, planted on the mind of the students of the people uh, planted on the media on the entertainment on the movies and in hollywood even in disney now they're taking even school books they are shaping the mind and the worldview of millions and once that worldview view is over there uh, decisive with those positions then is when the policies Uh, reflect the worldview, the wrong, and misguide the worldview of millions of people. So the only way to combat that is by uh, taking them to, to war in their own arena. We need to recover schools. We need to recover universities. We need to recover the entertainment. We need to have, if Hollywood doesn't accept us, we need to create our own Hollywood. If Facebook is censoring us, we need to create our own Facebook. We need to attack the minds of the people, the information warfare, the mind warfare. That's the only way in which we can go uh, foot to, uh, equal
0: to equal with this uh, cultural and massive revolution. So we're 60 days late. I mean, 60 years late, right? They have 60 years ahead of us working and doing this, and now we got to go combat that, right?
1: Yes, uh, and the, the first step we, we need to do is uh, just at least put a, a dike, uh, put a, a, a break by winning the political battle. That's the immediate, most immediate, urgent uh, fight. We need to make, uh, to help Trump be reelected. We need to vote for conservatives all around the ticket. We need to, to solidify that, uh, that uh, uh, defense that Trump has built in the, in the courts by appointing conservative judges, by, by recovering the Supreme Court from activists or left-wing Marxist judges. We need, that's immediate. Once we have that, then we can breathe a little bit and then we can uh, concentrate our efforts into the long war, into the long battle that is a cultural battle, mind uh, battle, educational battle, a spiritual battle uh, because they are kicking our ass. They are kicking, they are the ones who have Hollywood, they are the ones who have uh, CNN and M- NBC and ABC and, and Hallmark and Disney. They are the ones who have all these media brainwashing uh, instruments, we don't. But we need to slowly take the battle to, to, their, uh, to their own field.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, man. It, it, it is absolutely insane. And, and, uh, and it's frustrating, right, that we've let this happen. We've let them control all of academia, all of education, all of the entertainment, all the media, you know, journalism. They're not even journalists anymore. They're just partisan, you know, uh, activists right now. Um, there's nobody right now in, in CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, anywhere that you can sit there and say is a real journalist. Um, they're all activists. They're all partisan. Uh, they used to hide that in the past. Now they're wide open. They don't even care. Uh, it is 100% apparent that they hate Trump they, and, and they support Biden. Um, you would have never seen that, you know, even 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Uh, they, they, most of the media, remember,
1: this is what I explained to my European counterparts, because people from Europe don't cannot see it very clearly here. But listen, uh, most of the great uh, TV stations, the great um, the great media, the the great newspapers, they are in the East Coast, in the big cities of the East Coast. Okay, we're talking about New York City and uh, Washington D.C. and Miami and Boston. And uh, listen, those are, the, <laughs> those are the kingdoms of the liberal, the kingdom of the godless secularists, white-collar elitists that precisely um, call the, the deplorables the, the Reagan Democrats and Trump supporters in Kentucky and Tennessee and Texas and, uh, and, and North Dakota and South Dakota and Wyoming. Those great stations, TV stations, CNN, whatever, they are part, they reflect the culture of their employees and their editors and their journalists and their owners, reflect the culture of the region where they are, and it's uh, the places of the left wing, where the Democratic Party is keen. skin. I think Washington, D.C., Hillary Clinton won over 90% of the vote in Washington, D.C., can you imagine that, 90% of the vote. And that is the people who works at the CNN uh, Bureau of Washington, DC. And that is the people that works at the NBC Washington, DC Bureau. And that's the people who work at the Washington Post, uh, etc. And the same in Boston Globe and New York Times and, and Miami Herald. They are the same people. What happened is they uh, they rejected Bush. They, uh, they, uh, they felt that Bush was dumb and that Bush was uh, uh, so, somebody that they didn't like, but they hate Trump. That's the big difference. Right. One, they, they did not like Bush, uh, but they hate Trump and they hate Trump with all their forces because remember, Trump is trolling them in their faces. Trump is an expert in trolling them and all their worldview, all what they believe, all what they think, their worldview, their brainwashed brain view to the left, Trump spit on their eyes every day. Uh, hear blatantly in their faces telling how wrong they are, that they are wrong, how wrong they are. I, let me recommend you a, an article, and, and I recommend everybody this article that I can. It only is going to take you like five minutes uh, to read it, but it's eye-opening. It's really, really eye-opening. It's one of the best articles I ever read. The best five to ten minutes you can invest. Uh, Google uh, Nassim Taleb. Nassim Taleb. Uh, and Google... Nassim Taleb, Intellectual Jet Idiot. The Intellectual Jet Idiot. is a masterpiece. Nassim Taleb is a Lebanese Christian, Orthodox Christian who has been living in the United States for more than 25 years now. And, uh, and he's um, a genius. I mean, he's an economist, philosopher, mathematician, uh, professor. And Nassim Taleb described all these elements uh, class of journalists and university professors that are controlling the United States right now, and actually the West. And he called them the intellectual jet idiot. Nobody said that they are not intellectual, that they have a high IQs and degrees from Harvard or degrees from Yale. But trust me, they are idiots. Yep. They are brainwashed idiots and a intellect depicts them with absolute, um, in a masterful way. In a, uh, so I recommend you and everybody, all, all, all your audience to please, the, one of the 10 minutes, uh, best, uh, 10 minutes you can invest in your time, go and Google
0: Nassim Taleb, Intellectual Jet Idiot. Excellent, man. Hey, Ronnie, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, man. You're a stud, man. Thank you for your service. And uh, where can people follow you? Where can people follow you if they want to hear more from uh, Ronnie Alito?
1: Well, they can uh, go to my YouTube channel. XCI uh, Analyst Contractor. Uh, that's my, my YouTube channel. And also uh, Ron Aledo in uh, Twitter. And uh, uh, you can follow me over there
0: in those two. Excellent, man. Well, thanks for being on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Ron Aledo. And don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.